when you watch him as a late fourth-year quarterback. What do you see from him? Well, today I saw I saw a better quarterback. I think he was uh, more focused. Uh, yeah, better anticipation. Yeah, I just think he was on it. Uh, at times, you know, definitely this game here, he looked like a guy who the Bucks been waiting to see. And, you know, you just want to be consistent. And I think that's the main thing. If he could play at the level he played today and be consistent and have good anticipation and have control of the huddle and not really the rah-rah, you know, rah-rah guy, just be the guy who's going to lead his team. They got enough guys who can be the rah-rah guy. What's did, up, Beck? Did the rah-rah stuff always, did that ever mean anything to you or it just never was your thing? No, it's all about action. Action speaks a lot of the words. So, you know, I was all about, you know, what are you going to do, what your action is going to show, and not necessarily the things you're going to say. And I think now his approach is probably, you know, I'm going to go out and improve that I can play and not necessarily be the hype guy in the locker room. It's called growth, right? And sometimes you have to fall down to get back up to really understand what you need to do and how you need to move forward. And I think, hopefully, you know, this is a wake-up call that, that these are things that he needs to do to continue to move forward and be the best player he can be. Those are the words of Wark Dunn. Buccaneers, great for his time here. And, of course, he's one of the Falcons' owners right now. I talked to him after Sunday's game when the Falcons pulled out that late win. And those are his uh, takes on Jameis which I thought were kind of interesting. We can get into that. I'm Steve Isbitz of JoeBucksFan.com. This is the Monday Morning Joe podcast that comes once a week whenever it, it goes. Monday is just a, just a name. That's all. We're presented by Discount Garage Doors. DGDoors.com is their website. And Bill Curry Ford. Our friends at Bill Curry Ford, just north of the stadium on Dale Mabry Highway. You know, football season, it's winding down. Saturdays, they're not busy anymore with college football. Sundays, the Bucks are done. You've put off that vehicle shopping. Now it's time to get to Bill Curry Ford, and you can start by going to their website, BillCurryFord.com. General Manager Sean Sullivan, go ask for him. He's a huge Bucks fan, and you've heard him on this podcast last week. He got rave reviews for some of his passionate takes for the Bucks as a lifelong fan, and Sean is going to give you a free TV for any vehicle purchase. The details are at JoeBucksFan.com. Also, everybody at Bill Curry Ford is excited and proud to present a nationwide lifetime warranty on new and pre-owned vehicles. Get all the transparent pricing and the details on the warranty at Bill Curry Ford. It's not just powertrain. Sean explained how it's powertrain plus, and it's really a, a great place to go. We're proud to support them, especially for all the work they do in the community. Bill Curry Ford. Go to BillCurryFord.com. We'll talk more about Discount Garage Doors later. And Wark Dunn, you know, I'm glad I got to get his take on Jameis there. And I think that's pretty telling. You know, the rah-rah stuff, there are a lot of players who don't like that. For whatever reason, they, they're passionate about that, and they think that, that that's a problem or not a good thing. They don't brush it off as like, ah, no big deal. If a guy wants to scream, fine. Some players really don't like that. They're not fans of that. They think it shows something negative i don't know i don't know if i fall into that category but i'm not an nfl player and you heard wark dunn i don't know if he's a fan of Jameis or not but he's certainly a florida state guy dunn referenced that there and Jameis has changed he definitely has changed we've discussed that on the podcast you just look at the way he's presenting himself publicly and even on the field he's a little more measured I don't know if I like uh, new Jameis or old Jameis or whatever. I, I miss the old fiery guy, but I have a feeling that will come back 
when there's a new coach here and there's a new energy and Jameis feels a team that's rallying together and and feels a different uh, vibe from the team he's playing for. But regardless, Jameis played well on Sunday and there's enough talent there where you should be excited about moving forward with Jameis. And for his sake, I was hoping that the Bucks were going to win, not cement his future, but it would kill some of the draft talk for the Bucks and a quarterback if they won the game and had fallen draft position because there are still going to be some fans at number five overall, especially if uh, the Ohio State quarterback comes out who are going to be thinking and talking and wondering if the Bucks should explore a quarterback or even with their second round pick. And Jameis, uh, you know, he didn't get that W along with his teammates to quiet that talk a little bit if the Bucks were farther down the draft board. But that's just uh, some hypothetical stuff anyway. Good to hear from Mark Dunn. Good to talk to him a little bit about some other Bucks issues that were not uh, for audio or for uh, for sharing. Uh, he really, um, I mean, he certainly has a handle on the division, <laughs> that's for sure. And I'll say this, yeah, there's not really that much that I can say, but he, like, like Mike Allstott, who I got to talk to briefly earlier this season, I mean, they just have a totally different mindset, a no-excuses, Tony Dungy, type of mindset and you hear some of that in there from Dunn and they just see a Bucks team that isn't getting it done and you just it's just not acceptable and I, I think they feel uh on a broad level both of them if I can lump them together that there's just not not the mentality that's needed on this Buccaneers team and but they all agree of course that every year is a brand new year every new season is a new crop of guys and can have some new energy and of course Coaching is important, so good to hear from Warwick Dunn, and good to be with you here on the Monday Morning Joe podcast. I haven't been on since Dirk Cutter was fired Sunday night, and for this podcast, anybody who's been listening, and especially anybody who's agreed with me, this was just so long coming and so overdue that it's almost anticlimactic. You know, it's just not, wasn't exciting news. It was, okay, Dirk's out. Of course he's out because he's been a bad coach. Now we're on to to what's next. So I don't even have much to say about Cutter getting fired. You've heard me on other podcasts, on our family of podcasts with Ira Kaufman or, and with uh, the Commish. It was good to do Bucks Uncensored this week with the Commish, two episodes. But there's not much to say. The guy was a bad coach. Dirk Cutter got Dirk Cutter fired, not anybody else. His hands-off nature on the defense was brutal and inexcusable. The penalties on offense this year I think that's important to note. I didn't see the final tally, but entering last game, the Buccaneers were 31st in the league in offensive penalties, meaning they had the second most in the NFL. Offensive penalties. That, that's really disgraceful for a team. Think about it. In its fourth year with the coordinator, fourth year with Dirk Cutter, a veteran team, veteran quarterbacks, the offensive line stayed healthy the entire year, DeMar Dotson missed one start. Everybody else was healthy. Veteran receivers. And the theme for Dirk Cutter was discipline-driven. That was the theme for the offseason and for the during the season. The guys, Vernon Hargraves in the locker room the other day was still wearing that shirt, discipline-driven. And that's what they came up with, all those offensive penalties. And like I was telling somebody at the game, defensive penalties – you can chalk those up to aggression. All right, you know, I crossed the line a little bit. I 
you could tie many defensive penalties to just being aggressive and getting caught being too aggressive. And that's often a good thing on defense. And that's okay. You got to dance that line. If, as Greg Schiano used to say, if you get no penalties on defense, I'm going to worry that you're not playing hard enough. But on offense, to have the second most offensive penalties, big indictment of Cutter and his just just uh, the way he's managing the team and the accountability levels that I don't think were there the way they should have been with the club. So uh, Cutter deserved it. He earned it. Back-to-back 5 and 11s. I mean, that's a no-brainer in the NFL. So uh, he's out. And everybody wants to know what's next. What's next? What's next? Well, what's next is a huge freaking question mark because Team Glazer's calling the shots. Don't think any any otherwise. They're the ones who are going to agree, agree and have to agree on hiring a head coach. That's how they do it. That's just how they do it. And I don't believe for a second, neither does Ira Kaufman, who's in his 40-something year, 41st year now covering the NFL and has been around the Glazers since day one. We don't believe for a second that they've just turned this thing over to Jason Light and say, pick a coach. We'll uh, listen in on the interviews and give you feedback and run stuff by the consulting company if you need to. Pick a coach. It's not the way it's going down. And I think we would love in many ways to have some clear direction on the team that fans could understand. It doesn't mean there's not clear direction, but I don't think the fans really know for sure what's going on. And even Jason Light, general manager, in his news conference the other day, which I thought was awful, mostly because the the content, not because of Light, not being a polished, powerful public speaker, just the content was way all over the place. Light was sort of saying, well, if if I need to get a coach who wants more power, uh, I'll step aside. Uh, no ego here. Or will this or, or or will that whatever gets the best coach here? I understand that, but it really felt like there's no philosophy in place for what they're looking for in a coach and what they want for the program. So it was a little bit discouraging. Doesn't mean it's not there, but the whole thing feels very discouraging. Where were the Glazers? You know, you would think they'd want to be out there and there's plenty of uh, stuff that they could say at a transitional time for the fans, but they weren't there. And that's okay. I just didn't think uh, Light handled it very well. The messages were all over the place. And man, I I just lost my mind when he was telling Buccaneers.com that the Bucs have a historically great offense. And forget about the nonsense of that. I just, I'm worried that he believes it. That's really where my fear is. Because if he's the GM going forward and he believe this, believes this offense is that great, as he was saying the other day, really going over the top, then we've got some issues. We've got some issues. Because this offense should probably take a step back when you lose all that comfort level and continuity with a coordinator. First year with a, an offense is usually challenging. So I'm not sure where the if the offense is going to make any great strides necessarily without a big-time running back. And then we've got Jason Light as GM, who seems to not know what a big-time running back is or, or isn't able to pick one. So it's sort of like every time you take a step forward and looking, all right, the Bucks are going in this direction and this is what they need to do, then you look back at who's making those decisions and it doesn't look so great because the shortcomings keep repeating themselves every year. So we're all left wondering what's going to change. So what's going to change? What is going to change? Now, one thing that's going to change 
is personnel. And I got to get into the Brent Grimes stuff a little bit. I was glad that we were able to get that out there first. But there's more to it that I didn't write about yet uh, that I think needs to be heard. A Discount Garage Door, as I mentioned, is our other uh, proud supporter here on the podcast. A great local company, local, that started up here in the Bay Area, and now they go across 18 counties in Florida. You call them up if you have any problem with your garage door or you just want a new one. 1-866-420-DOOR, 866-420-DOOR. They are fantastic. Free service called slash diagnosis, meaning they'll come out, check out your garage door, tell you everything you need to know about fixing it, and they can fix it right away, or they've got a great selection of new doors, and it won't cost you anything to bring them out. And that is tremendous benefit, seven days a week. Call them anytime, dgdoors.com is the website you can use your joe bucks fan discount code as well if you buy a new door that's going to get you 10 percent off or uh, if you need uh, extensive service that sort of thing also they have a showroom in brooksville if you want to just go shopping you can head up there and check that out they're all new showroom dgdoors.com check them out make them the number you call first 866-420-DOOR all right with the brent grimes mess slash stuff he was on his wife's podcast, I Heart Miko podcast. His wife is Miko. She does a regular podcast. This wasn't like a special edition uh, air your bucks laundry stuff. They She talks sports and all kinds of stuff, and she's been doing it for years. And she basically never talks bucks football because she's wanted to behave herself, unlike some of her outspoken ways when Brent was with the Dolphins. Anyway... So they got talking about the Bucks, and she wanted Grimes to break down every game this season that he played in, sort of to explain to fans who think he just had a crappy year that, no, he didn't really have a crappy year. And kudos to Grimes for really being honest, like saying, ooh, that game, yeah, I screwed up. I'd love to have this, this back. And uh, the detail with which he remembered certain plays I thought was pretty cool. And he, I thought he gave a very honest assessment of himself in the uh, passing game and uh, the reality was he, he wasn't targeted that much and anyway they talked about that for a while good stuff and Grimes talked about uh, John Hoke his position coach now I wrote years ago in a uh, training camp notes column that I suspected there was an issue between Hoke and Grimes and I sort of knew that that was the case but you know what, I wasn't going to sit around and write stories about Grimes doesn't like his position coach because you don't have to like your position coach to do well and perform. You don't have to like your boss at your job, wherever you are, to do well and perform. That's not a prerequisite to love who you're working for. And uh, frankly, I was listening to uh, Charlie Weiss on... Sirius XM uh, NFL radio the other day talking about how much about uh, the the commonality between Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick is that they hired coaches who didn't get along and they were just focused on hiring the best coaches and they didn't care who liked who or who didn't like who or who got along and how the the flow was on the coaching staff. They just knew that they had guys who were strong enough to make it work and there was not a lot of camaraderie and a lot, not a lot of uh, not a lot of love there. And that those coaches did a very good job of focusing on getting the best people 
and not building a team that could work uh, and, and love each other and you know go out for cocktails and that kind of thing. So anyway, I'm getting off the subject a little bit, but Grimes was not a big fan of his position coach. Okay, we saw what Grimes did in his first season with the Buccaneers, which is lead the NFL in passes defensed. Lead the NFL. And meanwhile, back in 2016, they weren't exactly targeting him all over the place. Vernon Hargraves got more of the targets. So something to keep in mind there. It's not like Grimes couldn't succeed with a guy who he didn't really respect too much. But anyway, Grimes got into talking about run support and how he was coached to different ways. And when he gets to the Bucks, John Hoke is coaching him one way. And Grimes kind of disagreed. And uh, anyway, it didn't, didn't go too well with, with them with that. And, you know, who knows who's right? I don't know. He didn't get into, he got into some of the X's and O's, whatever. Uh, not really very important. But what was important was Grimes talking about two things. One I didn't write up yet, which is Grimes sharing a story how he sat down with an exit interview after the 2017 season with Mike Smith. And they talked about how, uh, and talked about how Grimes would like to coach the younger quarter cornerbacks on playing zone and playing different types of coverages. I don't have the, the audio here for you to share, but Grimes was really interested in teaching the younger cornerbacks. And he was hoping that Mike Smith would let him do that. And it just sort of died on the vine. Mike Smith didn't get back to it uh, that next season for 2018. And Grimes, uh, felt bad that these corners these young corners were forced into playing so much man so i thought that was interesting it's like you didn't the guy wanted to teach he wanted to lead grimes also complained that the way that he wanted to lead which didn't go well with the bucks they wanted him to scream at these young corners and get all over their ass when they screwed up and grimes mindset and he expressed it clearly was that hey i don't believe in coaching guys that way i don't think you scream and and get all over him like that. I don't like that. And I, I don't think that's how you do it. And he said the Bucks didn't like that at all. They were upset with him and assuming that uh, he didn't give a name. But clearly the implication was that it was either a combination, it was just Hoke or a combination of Smith and Hoke. So that speaks really well for the Bucks' leadership. I mean, you're asking a guy to do something that he doesn't really want to do or isn't capable of doing, he doesn't believe in. And I'm not talking about on the field. I'm talking about in a interacting with his teammates. That's that's a little odd when you're telling a guy, hey, screaming, you're, you're mad because he won't react to other teammates in the way you want him to. Then you do it. <laughs> you know, I don't know that that part I thought was really on the coaching staff. And there's a lot of dysfunction there, clearly. But the worst part and which is what I wrote about and the fans on the website really dialed in on is Grimes explaining that he negotiated his off-season contract, and clearly Miko Grimes was in the negotiations uh, based on what she said on the podcast. And they did have other offers for how much money, I don't know. And you never, there's an offer, and then what the reality is when you start to, when you move forward on it, those can be two different things. So it's not about the money, but the money part is that Grimes said, hey, they, you know, I got my $7 million plus incentives. We got to that point, and it was okay. Uh, and you know, I know a lot of corners aren't as good lesser corners make more money but that was the deal and Grimes said he excuse me really wanted to come back and 
uh, even though uh, Miko didn't want him to come back to the Bucks. Grimes wanted to come back. He liked players on the team, liked the vibe, whatever. Wanted to come back, and he was okay with the money. Sign your contract. Well, he's injured the first two weeks, and then the Buccaneers apparently tell him they want him to shadow Antonio Brown, have him follow Brown around the field, and that they want him to follow cornerbacks all year long. And Grimes is pissed. He's pissed. He can't believe that they asked him to do that, even though he's the number one corner on the team. They asked him to do that because they were paying him to play left corner and not be a shadow guy, and shadow guys get you know, double the money. Those are the elite cornerbacks who do that. And why were you not offering Grimes elite money when you wanted him to take on elite corner responsibility? And on the surface, it's ludicrous for Grimes to have that attitude. And I understand that when you're in it, when you're a pro and you're asked to do something else that's not in your job description, you may get annoyed. But come on. The the NFL and being on a team and being a cornerback paid seven million plus incentives and you had you and you chose to be there and sign the contract. Is it really that outrageous that the Buccaneers uh, asked him to cover a cornerback one on one? I mean, do you expect things to never change? It was really just just such a terrible look, and fans can't relate to that at all, to have a guy making all that money and then complaining and saying it ruined his whole season, the vibe uh, effed up his whole season. And we saw that Grimes just didn't look that great this year. It's really uh, disconcerting, mostly because, aside from the personal stuff for Grimes, the coaches never snuffed it out. Nobody ever sat down and talked to him and to work it out to maybe turn his attitude. At least according to Grimes, who says he was benched for the second half in Chicago because he had refused to cover Antonio Brown against the Steelers in the man-to-man way. And he didn't, he didn't want to do it. So what's going on? And then Grimes said Mike Smith never really told him that. Other people told him that. He never got an answer. And how do you bench a veteran? Dirk Cutter and not bring him into your office and talk it out. Who's leading the damn team? It was really a very bad indictment of the coaching staff in general. And it speaks to Jason Light. You you signed a guy who for top dollar again who didn't want to be a team player. I mean, let's remember that Vernon Hargraves got hurt in the season opener and he was looking pretty good. Maybe Hargraves was going to be the guy to shadow some receivers and they, they couldn't count on him to do that because he was out and they had to go to Grimes. We don't know, but Grimes should have at least expected to be like any player should expect to do what the coach asks of him. That's the NFL. That's football. That's sports in general. I mean, if I'm playing basketball, I signed to play basketball, with the team and we play zone defense and all of a sudden we're switching to man and I'm asked to cover the point guard every game all over the court. I mean, well, do I have a right to be annoyed by that? I mean, things change. The Bucks were 2-0. and let's, let's not forget that. 2-0, and and you're going to be pissed because you got to cover the elite receiver in the league on Monday Night Football and showcase your talents? I, it's, just, it's never going to add up for fans. I understand Grimes' initial thought, but to say it dragged him down all season and wait on him all season is just, it, the whole thing is just so dysfunctional and so bad. And to hear Grimes talk with great passion about how he was just so down 
coming into training camp and realizing that Mike Smith wasn't going to change a damn thing in the defense, that they were going to come back and do some of the same stuff that didn't work the year before. And Grimes actually goes into how apparently the offense used to needle the defense saying, hey, man, we know just what's coming and this and that. And, and, and Grimes just said it was embarrassing to be part of that defense with the way the coaching staff was approaching it. Now, those were all comments of a guy who cares. It was just, you know, the, the whole money thing and the not wanting to cover a top cornerback when your team is a top receiver, when your team is 2-0. and I mean, maybe this is why they didn't ask Grimes to cover Julio Jones back in 2017 when it seemed obvious they should have been doing that and they couldn't figure out how to cover Julio. Maybe they didn't do it because they knew, man, Brent's going to be pissed because we're asking him to do this and we're not paying him like that. We told him we weren't going to have him do that this year. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's a freaking mess. And... As uh, we wrote on JoeBucksFan.com, Lee DeCamper wrote it. Thank you, Brent Grimes, for some honesty. Because we don't get a lot of it covering football, covering the NFL. Players cover stuff up because that's what they do and things are tight-lipped. That's why at JoeBucksFan.com, it's funny, some fans, most don't, most appreciate it. That's why they read us. But they say, hey, you, you take a little thing and you blow it up too much or you put too much emphasis and you go over 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 the top Uh, nitpicking things that players say well you do that because you get so little truth from these players and coaches you get so little honesty that you got to run with the nuggets you feel are really honest and try to paint a picture of the giant puzzle of what's going on with your team that's why we do that because they do mean a lot since you don't get a lot of straightforward chat you getting any raw open honesty from Jameis winston on on what he thinks of uh his coach or his players or whatever. I'm not not knocking Jameis. I'm just pointing out that coach speak, player speak is real. When you get something real, you appreciate it as fans. I'm a fan first. And I love hearing the truth about my team. That's why people buy books when seasons are finished or an era, right? Just pick an era. I don't care. The 1990s New York Yankees. One of those players writes a book about the era. It sells a ton of copies even to non-Yankee fans, because people love to hear the truth about what's really going on inside sports teams, because we get so little of it. And we keep listening to media over and over and over again, even though we know a lot of it's not true, and a lot of it's guesswork. I'm not talking about JoeBucksFan.com, but we know that we don't have these straight truths, a lot of it's interpretation, or guesswork, or lies or whatever but we we consume as much as we can to make our own opinions and when you get some real truth you really uh, appreciate it and at joebucksfan.com we you know we uh, we look for it and we try to get it in off seasons and others you know when uh, and past seasons uh, what am i saying what i'm saying is we're always looking for even going back because we're interested even going back to uh, the raheem era if a nugget appears or Gruden's uh, final couple of years, if something comes out, it's interesting. I mean, uh, I had a chat with John Gruden. This isn't like dirt necessarily, but chatting with him during the Ring of Honor, after his Ring of Honor news conference, we were talking about the 2007 Bucks. Well, I asked him about it. We weren't talking about it. But I asked him about it, and he said his biggest regret was not playing the, uh, the guys all the way through and resting starters. He said, if he ever had a chance to do it again, he would learn that, you know what? You clinch the division with two weeks left. You just 
keep the foot on the gas and keep going. He was very candid about that. And, you know, and, and Chucky's not one to admit mistakes. Uh, that kind of stuff is, is interesting. And this sort of ties to that. It's a truth about this football team. And there's more that's going to come out. I can guarantee you that. And uh, I think I had a couple more things from Grimes that were interesting. I can't think of them right now, but maybe we'll get them on a future podcast. And uh, I have a feeling more is going to come out from the Grimes camp on what was going on this team. Uh, in that podcast, there was nothing else that was really was addressed. And uh, Grimes uh, does not necessarily want to play next year, but he is being pushed by Miko to play for anybody any team that could make the playoffs or anybody that anywhere that he'd be happy she told them you know play for as little money as you need to i just want you to have one great happy year and be around a good coaching staff and uh, have a chance at, at some special offseason stuff so we'll leave it at that i'll leave it at that for today uh the stories are at joebucksfan.com uh, grimes uh saying uh, that just effed up my whole vibe for the whole year to be completely honest just because they asked him to cover some receivers one-on-one. Man, it's just nuts to me on a personal level. I can't imagine any job that I've had in the business world where I wasn't asked to do something that wasn't part of my job description. And sometimes I said, no, I'm not doing it. When I worked at the Tampa Tribune before, as their demise began, I think this was early 2006. Yeah, yeah, early 06. I was asked, I was not working in the sports department as a reporter. I was working, uh, doing uh, features and other things. And I was based also uh, physically based in the Pinellas County Bureau. And I was asked to be the, the beat writer for the paper of USF, not sports, of the university itself. A premier beat at the paper, I was asked to do that. I was told I had to. And I didn't want to because I didn't think it would be as much fun as the loose leash that I had. And I thought I was doing uh, some better work, you know, having the freedom to run with a lot of different stories. And I had a very unique position at the paper. Anyway, I was told I had to do it. I had to take the beat. And the way the reimbursement structure was at the Tribune for mileage, using your own vehicle to get around and cover stuff, the way that was set up, I was going to end up losing $1,500 a year off my pay in gas money because of the way they handled the money reimbursement. So I said I wasn't doing it. One, I didn't want to, uh, but I would if they needed me, except I I was going to be losing money and I couldn't afford to lose $1,500 a year. If they wanted to make that up, I would do it. And they wouldn't wouldn't, uh, pay the difference. So I said, hey, I am just not going to take a pay cut, which a pay cut representative in gas money to take this job. And they told me, well, you have to. I said, well, then uh, I'll do it temporarily if I have to and just understand that I'll be giving notice in a month, two months, whatever. Uh, So if you're cool with that, I'll give it my best shot till I have to go. And anyway, I didn't have to do it. Didn't go over too well. But this stuff happens in the business world all the time. Hell, I remember... uh, uh, delivering pizza <laughs> a million years ago and they didn't tell me that I had to mop the uh, the whole uh, restaurant uh, because I was the new guy at the end of the shift. Nobody ever told me that, but I did it anyway. Learned how to uh, use that big commercial mop and whatever. So 
I mean, uh, Grimes' situation is different, but you know what? To come out and say you don't feel like cu- covering a, a receiver and you're a cornerback, get out of here, man. Good riddance. Thanks for your service. And uh, you know, we'll remember 2016 extremely fondly. And Jason Light, uh, hopefully you can somehow come up with a way to uh, pick free agents, even your own, uh, a little bit differently. All right, to switch gears, I talked to Noah Spence after the game. And not a big conversation. We talked a little bit off the recording here, but here's a little bit from Noah Spence talking about uh, what this season was for him, how he's feeling, and here's Noah Spence. You know, obviously not the year you were hoping for, but you are healthy and you got another year coming forward. Uh, did you feel like you learned anything this year? Learned a lot, man. Being behind a great player like JP, man, taught me everything. You know what I mean, um, just able to come out and be a better player and a, and a better man for this. And, uh, it's a blessing in this guy. So, hey, did you ever lose any confidence along the way? I mean, it's a tough spot that you had. You didn't really get a chance. You know, it's, know. Not, it's not like you had like five bad games or something. <laughs> did it yeah. ever get to you? I mean, no. Uh, you know, um, like the players in front of me being great. You know, and um, just me to look and watch and like try to learn everything. And uh, I mean, it helped me to become a better player. I mean, I'm, I went in there a couple times today and I felt I felt good. So, I mean, I'm just going to keep on getting better, man, and uh, learning from the guys. Is that part of you mad? Like, no. Is there a chip on your shoulder? Like, man, I, I can get it's a It's always shot, a chip. There's always a chip. You know what I'm saying? You always want to be better. You use it as fuel for next year, you know? Do you feel like you're 100%? Like, did you need this year to get healthy a little bit? Was that part of it? I don't know. I'm 110 right now. I'm good. I feel great. I talked to Noah Spence a little bit more. I just really get the sense he has a great attitude. I thought what was key at the end there is how he feels and how he is right now. That I talked to him a little bit more about that. And bottom line is... Whatever he was going through personally before the season, I'm not going to get into that, or whatever he was going through physically coming back from the shoulder surgery, he's good now. And I think he would have enjoyed much more of a shot to show that. And unfortunately, it didn't come against the Falcons. You think about how Nassib did not play, yet Spence did not play much. And that's you know part of that's just the evaluation of the coaching staff. But I can promise you this, Noah Spence will be back next year unless something weird really happens. He'll be back because he's a fourth-year defensive end on a second-round pick contract, which means he won't be making much money, maybe a million tops. And if he plays well, great, he's, that's a bonus. If he's just okay and they don't want to keep him, if he walks, uh, that'll help them get a compensatory draft pick because your player walks and signs somewhere else. In free agency, that goes into the bank and the formula of getting these compensatory picks that the Bucks never seem to get. So there's advantages to bringing back Spence, plus he is still very young, and he's shown he can at least play in the league. I'd be surprised if he's not on the team next year. Really, really surprised. Uh, but good to hear from Spence there. And I uh, got some more audio uh, coming up in um, next podcast next week. Subscribe to Monday Morning Joe the podcast you can find it itunes podbean google play we appreciate all the subscriptions we're actually ahead of um uh, podbean is the only one who shows subscriptions and there are many other platforms as well they make it visible we're a little bit ahead of the ira kaufman podcast how about that so that's always cool and ahead of many of the other podcasts uh, that you listen to in the market on podbean so that's nice of course the king on podbean is bucks uncensored uh, he's got well over a thousand subscribers, which is pretty cool when to get that many people to go through the steps to subscribe 
when the podcast is easy to be found and uh, the Joe Bucks fan readers are seeing them right off the website where most people listen anyway. So pretty cool. I appreciate that. I also appreciate Discount Garage Doors. Discount Garage Doors. Get that name in your head. And Bill Curry Ford. Start shopping today. BillCurryFord.com. That that site is there 24-7. It's getting much easier to use. Uh, it's really uh, easy. The, the drop-down menus and everything else and the transparent pricing. It's not like a lot of the nonsense you see from so many other dealers. Wow. I, I could do a whole podcast on car shopping uh, nonsense. Anyway, Bruce Arians, I've got to bring his name up. Now, of course, the Bucks are going to interview Chris Richard, who's a real interesting candidate as a former player. Some of the former players, you know, they played a year. He put in a lot of years, six, seven years, I think. And he's been around some good coaches. And he's an energetic motivator. And we'll all be closely watching uh, the Seattle team and see what they might have to say. Uh, meaning the Seattle uh, Dallas broadcast, Richard is the play caller for the Dallas defense Saturday night. It'll be nice to see uh, what they might say about Richard and what uh, the announcers dig up as far as him and coaching search and coaching opportunities, but he has multiple interviews. But again, I'm not going to sit here and profess to know a ton about the guy and be like, Oh, he's my guy. He's my guy. I I don't know what his plan is for the Bucks offense. I don't know how he's going to come across, but surely uh, it would be exciting to have a young, uh, young head coach here that could be the next coming of insert your good coach name but bruce arians i'm leery of his health you have to be if you're being realistic and you know coming to tampa to where uh, which can put a lot of stress on your body uh when you're out there coaching on the broiling fields at one buck and all that other stuff you know that might not be the best thing for arians uh as just, but still, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to say he's sick and ill and he can't handle it. Heck, we've got uh, the two presidential candidates. Were what 70 years old, 69 years old this past year, or a couple of years ago. So uh, it's not like uh, people can't do amazing things at that age. Arian turn Arians turned 67 this year, so that's his deal. But I'll say this: the more I listen to Jason Light. The more I look at the Bucks team, the more I look at where they are with Jameis Winston, the more I look at the win-now pieces that they have on this offense, and the pieces are there as far as the skill positions to, to win. The more I look at that, the more I look at everything, I think Arians as a quick-fix kind of guy is perfect for the Bucks. I'm really starting to believe that because with his experience – we need somebody who can squeeze the most out of Jameis Winston quickly so we can best evaluate him, know what we got, and not be wondering, hmm, year six for Jameis, will he finally figure it out? And are we going to just franchise him for $30 million, or are we going to give him a long-term deal? Are we going to get into negotiations? All that stuff. I think you run the biggest chance of getting into a mess with Jameis not knowing everything you want to know without Arians next year. I don't know if Arians wants the job. I don't know what the compensation required is going to be from Arizona. But if Arians can come in here with Branson Buckner and other coaches who know his philosophy and maybe even Todd Bowles as defensive coordinator, you can't question Arians' leadership, his knowledge of quarterbacks, and that relationship with Jason Light, 
that he has going back to Arizona five, six years ago is critical for success. You got to be on the same page. Now they may not be doing it right in the way in their approach and getting an organizational philosophy, but the minute Arians walks in the building, it's Bruce Arians team. It's his team. The second he walks through the door and I have a comfort level with that because of how this team is set up right now. And I don't believe for a second, the Glazers or Jason light have any interest in doing a rebuild job on this club. I think they just want to try to hit the ground running and pretend to rebuild much like they did with lovey Smith back in 2014. Let's bring this guy in. Let's sign some free agents. Yeah, we got to grow. Yeah, we need a long-term solution to quarterback, but let's try to win now with Michael Johnson and a bunch of big names and uh, let's do what we can and Josh McCown can be serviceable and all that nonsense that they had in their heads. So I think it's the same approach this year. I really do in a different kind of way. But Arians is my guy because he's going to straighten out the quarterback situation immediately and that that's probably what's best for this team in a lot of ways. Plus, he's a good coach, and, you know, it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Not that he's necessarily Mr. Media guy. It's not about that. I know a lot of people instantly think, oh, you just like and I like Bruce Arians with the media. No, no, no. I'm a fan. I think Arians uh, will learn a lot from Arians as uh, Bucks fans, and the Bucks will be in a good place if he's the minute he walks in the building. And I don't know what other candidate – is going to be that kind of fit. So uh, I'm in the Arians camp. We'll see what happens. And you hang in there this weekend as you watch the playoffs again with no bucks. <laughs> it's just the way it is. It's a distant memory at this point. And um, hang in there. Keep checking back to JoeBucksFan.com. We'll update as much as we can as we go. We appreciate all of your support. It was a record year at Joe Bucks Fan which is a reflection of a lot of things, but we're just thankful. Just like Jason Light was up there saying, I'm grateful. I'm just grateful to be here. Well, I'm grateful to be here too. Thanks a lot. Monday Morning Joe podcast. Subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts, and I'll see you next time.